Welcome to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. For over 30 years, Paul Stone has been seriously handicapping college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf. Over the past five seasons, spanning almost 600 releases, Paul has hit 55% against the spread in college football, gaining the respect of sports books and bettors throughout the world. He is monitored by highly respected the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. Paul has also won two major Las Vegas football handicapping contests and finished in the top four in two others. Each week, Paul will provide exclusive handicapping insights on the podcast. To receive Paul's exact picks each week, you can sign up for member-only access at paulstonesports.org. Now, on to the show. Hello, guys and gals. Uh, I once again this week am Paul Stone, and it's approximately um, just a few minutes after 7 p.m. Central on Thursday, July 21st, and uh, in 11 days, we can once again proclaim we have college football games later this month. So July is more than halfway past. Uh, August is drawing near. Uh, it's hotter than heck in most parts of the U.S. And another season of college football will be here before you know it. Uh, in my neck of the woods, I reside in the eastern part of Texas. The six-day stretch uh, beginning Saturday, July 23rd uh, and ending Thursday, July currently calls for high temperatures of 100 degrees or higher each of those six days. Uh, and we have a little humidity here, so it's fairly intense. I was looking at uh, Las Vegas' weekend forecast. The predicted air temperature tomorrow on Friday, 115 degrees. And then on Saturday, it's going to cool off a little bit there in Vegas, only predicted to be high of 112 on Saturday. It's pretty brutal, folks. You know, stay inside as much as you can. Stay hydrated. Pump those fluids. Do what you got to do to fight another day. So this week's is episode 61. Uh, and after one year, a little over one year, I finally received my first royalty check from the podcast. I'm kidding. <laughs> Just like there's no crying in baseball there's no royalty checks in podcast, at least not in mine. Maybe some people, uh, some people probably different though. So enough of the hijinks and the tomfoolery and such, and on to episode sixty-one of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. This one titled "Junk in the Trunk." And before some of you get off track with the title, I'm not talking about someone's backside. I'm talking about junk. And we all have junk, bad betting habits, and we keep them stored in the trunk, out of sight, out of mind, and hence this week's title, Junk in the Trunk. I'm sometimes asked by sports handicappers who are wanting to sharpen their skills, add another tool to their handicapping toolbox, if you will, what's one thing I can do to add to my repertoire? to better my chances of becoming a long-term winning sports handicapper. And after all, that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? To become a long-term winner. In recent times, the, the last couple of years, I've kind of refigured my answer. I've started addressing the question from a different perspective. 
not so much what a sports better can add to their toolbox, but rather what they can get rid of. You know, I think after all, whether we like to admit it or not, we all have junk in our trunk. And also, I think on a serious note, when you're recommending that a person add something, you know, they may feel overwhelmed, uh, underqualified, you know, to pull off the feet. You know, they may say, I'm not a computer modeler. I'm not that adept at mathematics. Uh, Making power rankings is just too big for me to put my arms around. That's so intimidating. You know, the range of negative responses when you ask someone to do something, to add something, is endless. You know, we could probably go on and on. On the other hand, in my opinion anyway, when you ask somebody to respond to something that is already being practiced, that is already in place, I believe it becomes more doable, more feasible. So instead of adding something, I advise persons to take some things away, addition by subtraction. So as we embark on another football you know, season, I think it would be wise for us each to do a critical self-examination of our own betting practices and habits and decide what needs to go, frankly. You know, I'm just going to throw a few habits uh, that, that might uh, have accumulated in your junk drawer over the years. You know, it probably won't be anything original. You've likely, you know, heard it all before. Uh, it's primarily just reinforcement, you know, food for thought, you know, continuing to hammer at home and until you maybe get tired of hearing it and perhaps decide to take action. And certainly, you know, some of my thoughts, uh, opinions, uh, you've probably heard on previous podcasts if you listened to my podcast in the past. So without further ado, let's start uh, getting rid of some of that junk in your trunk. And we're going to start, first of all, with not really, a, again, it's not a new idea, not the first time this has been suggested to sports bettors. And it might not apply to all of us. None of these might apply, uh, you know, uh, to all of us. But some of them probably at least hit home um, in some at some level. But number one, place fewer wagers. Be more selective. You know, with sports betting now legal in 35 U.S. states, I believe. You know, there are, there are many operators, some of which offer a expansive menu of betting options, you know, the old standbys, straight bets, parlays, teasers, you know, those types of things, typical sports. And they also, many of them offer many derivative markets. They have wagering offerings, maybe even in sports that previously were not booked by anyone. So they offer a broader range of sports to bet on. In other words, to sum it up, there's a lot of temptation. You know, there's a lot of eye candy, so many different options to choose from to risk your hard-earned, pre-taxed money. And it doesn't get to all of us, but I believe it gets to most of us. You know, when we sit down, you know, on a during a fall uh, football season and, and sit down late Friday night or early Saturday morning to kind of see what the damage is, you know, what's our portfolio, what bets do we have for the day, I think many of us think to ourselves, or maybe even mutter aloud, you know, 
man, you know, I've got a lot of bets. You know, I didn't intend to have this much action today. You know, I think sometimes we're even so spread out uh, all over the place that we, we're not even sure what we've bet or, or even maybe who we need in a game. I mean, you can really get out of hand when you bet a lot of bets. And I'm not saying, first of all, I'm not saying it's always a bad idea to have a lot of bets. You know, I always, personally, I have a lot of bets in week one of the college football season. Uh, most of those made, you know, months in advance. This year, you know, certainly no different. I have the same, uh, the same amount of uh, uh, heavy action, you know, the same high number of bets. I think I've got about 55 to 60 bets right now in college football between my week zero and week one bets, my game of the year bets, my regular season win total bets. So I've got quite a bit of, uh, uh, quite a bit of action already on the books. With so many states, though, you know, now legalized, uh, offering legalized sports betting, you know, thankfully, from our perspective, on this side of the counter, as players, there are many aggressive books out there. You know, they want to be first or at least close to first to market. So they're putting these numbers up earlier and earlier. And some of these stores on college football specifically, because that's what I pay the most attention to, some of these stores do a pretty good job of posting early week zero and week one college football numbers. Some, some stores, though, you know, really not so much. So from my perspective, betting these games and betting a lot of games in college football in April, it's a premeditated, you know, well-thought-out approach on my part as a college football specialist, you know, playing to my strengths. I'm trying to take advantage of my strengths. I'm trying to take advantage of my year-round preparation in college football. But if the value's not there, if I don't see a good number, you know, I'll certainly pass. But it has been. It has been historically. And I expect it will continue to be there as long as these guys are hanging college football lines in April. But to back up again, you know, typically, unless you have a clear, decided advantage which warrants a high density of bets, you would likely be better off, again, to practice more selectivity and less of a shotgun approach, if you will. Again, I think it's probably fairly infrequent that we tell ourselves, man, I wish I bet more games this week. And certainly more prevalent when we think, you know, how did I get here? How did, how did I get to having so many bets this week? Also, you know, in retrospect, after the games have been played, we've all probably chastised ourselves for not just sticking to our best games, you know, the ones we felt strongest about. We instead added, you know, any number of games, which perhaps should have been, you know, merited maybe a, you know, a smaller bet uh, or even in some cases no play at all. You know, personally, in my individual case, you know, I found the games that I add later in the week, which for me is pretty much, you know, Wednesday up until kickoff, those games don't fare as well uh, collectively as my plays made against the openers or, you know, not too far after the opening, no later than, the say, the end of the day Monday or maybe Tuesday at the latest. 
you know, I've been doing this a long time though. I'm trying to, I'm going to, I'm going to work on that and do better this year. I've been doing this a long time. I don't crave action in any shape, form or fashion. Uh, so I think my overall betting habits are probably a lot cleaner than most people in the uh, marketplace. Uh, probably not as much junk in my trunk. Not that I'm perfect, you know, not by a long shot. I certainly uh, don't bet flawlessly um, by any stretch of the imagination. I'm always, uh, like all of us, I am a work in progress. But if I bet a game, you, you know, just because it's one with a lot of fanfare and anticipation, you know, whether it's Alabama and Texas A&M, say, I think I got a good number on the game of the year. I actually bet that game in Tuscaloosa that's going to be played, I believe, in October. I laid uh, 13 and a half points. I don't think there's going to be, um, from this point forward, certainly not a better number than that. So I have Alabama minus 13 and a half over Texas A&M. So that's, that's not the best example, maybe, but that is a highly anticipated game. And if I bet that kind of game, I'm going to do so for a relatively small amount of money unless I really feel like I have an advantage. If I'm doing it just because it's a big game, it's hopped up and everybody's watching it and I'm going to watch it and I'm excited about it, I'm going to do it literally for pizza money. Maybe, a, you know, a big pizza, but still, I'm not going to bet a lot of money on it. You know, that's just not my approach. I'm trying to be a long-term winner. So I don't care if it's the Super Bowl or the Supper Bowl or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm looking for, for, for value. I'm not looking for an elaborate halftime show or a, a two-week build-up to a football game or anything like that. So if you're honest, I think ultimately we have to ask ourselves the question, where's the junk in my trunk? You know, are you still playing parlays and other exotics, uh, which due to their high theoretical hole percentage are the best friend of a house and the arch enemy of the player? Do you still make those types of bets? Do you bet on your favorite team every week perhaps? Are you not price sensitive, you know, most of the time or at least some of the time? You know, choosing convenience perhaps over line shopping. you got to be price sensitive. Do you bet the same amount? I think a lot of people probably do this one. Do you bet the same amount on sports you know little about or spend little time handicapping as you do on sports which have proven to be your best, you know, your wheelhouse? You know, friends, being in the betting arena is oftentimes no different than being in the sporting arena, the actual playing arena. You have to play to your strengths and consciously attempt to hide your weaknesses or at least minimize them. Money management, certainly another area uh, where many better struggles, you know, many better struggle. Um you know, I, I see guys all the time. There's no rhyme or reason whatsoever to their approach. And sometimes it just seems to me that certain persons are destined to be long-term losers regardless of their winning percentage. You know, their bet size can vary wildly on any given day depending on their alcohol consumption, their general mood, or maybe they just got a feeling of, you know, I'm going to win today. It's my turn. You know, hogwash. That's garbage. First of all, you know, I'll say this. You know, depending on your your the sport, your typical unit size within that sport 
shouldn't it should vary i think by sport to kind of back up because you want to play if you bet four sports and, and most guys i know who do this successfully at a high level you know they might bet seriously you know up to on up to four or so sports so among those sports you know i think your average unit size should vary between those four sports depending on where you are strongest like let's say I'm I'm strongest in college football, I should my unit size, my normal average bet within college football should be the highest average bet of any of those four sports if you will. And then college basketball, let's say hypothetically that's my second best sport, I should bet second most on average in that sport. And then my third sport would be a little bit less average bet than college basketball and the fourth sport would have the less the least amount rather of average bet or unit size, if that makes sense. You know, again, um, you've got to know your historical success. You've got to know what sport really is is your best and not just tell yourself uh, that. And while I think your unit size should vary depending on the strength of your performance historically in each of the sports that you bet seriously, without being too specific, I believe most bettors – would be best served, you know, to employ within that individual sport to employ a fairly even, not a totally even betting approach, but a fairly even betting approach. I do, you know, I step out maybe on three or four bets a year typically and bet a uh, more significant amount than any other plays that I make. I don't force them, you know, if they're not there. Uh, I don't bet big just to have the feeling, you know, just to say I did. Um you know, regardless of whether it's a major problem or, or no problem at all, you know, I think most of us, again, would be well served to inspect and fine tune our approach to money management uh, as another football season looms on the horizon. You know, let's talk a little bit. I think we'd be remiss. Let's talk a little bit about chasing, uh, chasing losses during a losing day or a losing stretch for that matter. You know, betters uh, in college football often refer to University of Hawaii uh, home games on a Saturday night as the, the break-even game or the bailout game or something uh, to this effect. It's so far off my radar, I'm not even sure if I've got the term exactly right. But anyway, you know, at that point when they're playing, let's say 7 p.m. Hawaiian uh, time on a, on a Saturday night, by that time, all the other games, even those on on the West Coast, have certainly kicked off. Uh, most of the day's games have finished. Uh, and this gives, you know, betting degenerates, uh, you know, one more game to bet, uh, perhaps in a uh, desperate attempt maybe to recoup all of the day's losses uh, or perhaps just have one more opportunity, you know, to bet uh, one more game. You've already had, you know, 12 or so hours of game watching in positive and negative outcomes along the way. So uh, probably be good to uh, to maybe go to bed and uh, get up early and start preparing for the next week. But that's just me. That's just how I do it. And I do realize we're all an experiment of one. You know, we all think, do things differently. And what uh, works for me might not be uh, uh, right for another person, might not be attractive or feasible for another person. So we're all we're all different. You know, I think if we're all honest, when you're talking about chasing, if we're all honest, um, we've done it before. We've all done it before. But chasing is certainly 
not a part of, of a healthy approach to sports betting. You know, I crave at this point in my handicapping career, I crave winning, not action, uh, and value, you know, not coin flips. You know, because if you're flipping coins over the long term, you know, it's impossible to win. You know, when you lose the, the coin flip, you lose 11, uh, and you only earn 10 when it comes up heads. So I don't like to do coin flips. You know, we've clearly, we've just, you know, touched the surface here. Uh, but the main thing, just do an inventory. Get the junk out of your trunk. You know, you can be better this fall. You don't have to add anything. Just get rid of some of the junk. Get rid of some of the bad habits. Fine-tune your process uh, if you indeed are trying to become a long-term winner uh, and do this, you know, at somewhat of a serious level. I want to give a little plug uh, here before we go to Paul Stone Sports. My college football full season package uh, still available for just $4.99. Uh, that gives subscribers all my premium plays, usually five to nine a week, uh, from late August all the way through the national championship game uh, in January. Uh, these are the games that I personally, pl personally play. They're my very best plays. Uh, and just to add another nugget, um, I'm going to be releasing my first set of premium selections for the upcoming season this coming Saturday, July 23rd. Uh, anticipate these being sent to subscribers uh, in the neighborhood of 10 a.m. Central. So you can sign up today and get those premium releases. Uh, if you're interested, please visit paulstonesports.org. Again, that's paulstonesports.org. Uh, I'm proud to say that over the past seven seasons, as monitored by the highly respected the sports monitor of Oklahoma City, I have hit 56% against the spread. It's been a lot of blood, work, uh, sweat and tears, a lot of work, a lot of early mornings. The process is no different this year than any other, uh, any other season working hard and doing the same things that I've historically done. Maybe a little bit more with the transfer portal, certainly a little bit more with the transfer portal. But it's a labor of love. Still enjoy doing it. Uh, no less excited today than I was 25 years ago. So it's great to be able to, to do this. I appreciate you listening. Uh, this is episode 61 again. A lot of you have listened to many of these, most of these, or maybe even all of these, and I appreciate it. I know you got other things to do with your time. Uh, other activities to do, other people in sports handicapping to listen to. But I appreciate you listening to me. Signing off once again, I am Paul Stone. Until next week. Thank you for listening to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And visit paulstonesports.org to sign up for member-only access to Paul's college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf picks and predictions. 